How are we doing this morning? Good, good, good. If you have your Bibles, grab those. Uh, we will get there shortly, but the book of Romans chapter 1 is where we'll be. Romans uh, chapter uh, 1. Uh, we uh, were on vacation last week, and yes, got sand in a lot of places. I wish I never had it, um, but that's what you get when you take three little boys to the beach. So, um, Good times there. Uh, and I just want to um, brag for a second just on uh, Scott uh, McMillan last week, man, bringing the word. Um, if you do not know him, you're missing out. Yeah, yeah. He um, just just a, a godly man, an example of, of a, what it looks like to follow Christ and be sold out and just made a phenomenal job unpacking the scriptures for us. And um, I knew I wasn't going to be here, so I thought, I mean, you've had Jimmy, you've had Austin, you've had a number of people. Why not another Scott? Give it a try, you know, uh, same initials, SM, so, um, but no, so grateful uh, for the men uh, and women that serve in this church um, and just sacrifice week in and week out, and he is definitely one of those. Um, So this morning, we are about to enter into uh, a little series to kind of close out summer, and let that sink in for a second. Uh, I see that. Uh, yeah, the, I, I feel you, sister. I'm with you. Um, but we're going we're gonna to cl- close out summer. Um, and so with that, I want to say this. We, we've got some stuff coming up, so be sure and check, check the bulletin. Um, check our social media uh, outlets, places there, and then also our app. If you haven't downloaded it, download it. Um, as we've got calendar and things there, uh, we're actually going to be getting together tomorrow's staff and work on some calendaring things and getting events and some of that stuff kind of uh, put down for the upcoming year. Uh, those, those type of things that will be happening, but, but be sure and check out, as like I said, we've got a number of things that are about to, uh, about to start to roll out to you to have and, and see there, and so, um, so this little series that we're going to enter into for the next, I, like I do this, like I say, I oh, will be doing it for two, three weeks, and then God just does that God thing, he's like, okay, bud, you think two or three weeks? Dude, you need seven in it, and then he'll do that to me, and I'll do seven, and I'm like, ah. Um, so as it sets now, the plan is a three-week series on worship. Why worship, you ask? Great question, church. Um, so about a month ago, come back from vacation. Um, as I come back from vacation, we, uh, uh, I'm here. Uh, Jimmy said, hey, let me preach that Sunday you get back. I said, okay, cool. Um, and so normally, as you see, my, like my area is here. Um, and aren't we like just creatures of habit? Like, you don't sit on that side, because that side is, you know, that side. So I'm sitting here like, sorry, that side. I'll get to you in a moment. Um, so I'm sitting here, that's normally where I sit before I come up, all that kind of stuff. And, and I don't know, like for me, what, what the morning singing does for me, because I, I get here early and as I get here, I kind of uh, go through things, go over my notes, come in and uh, work through some stuff, make sure everything's like, like I, I, I planned and prayed through and God wants it. And, um, and then after that, uh, it gets really, really crazy, really, really quick here for me. Um, as people come in, say, hey, things happening, stuff like that, um, just catching up with people, different, different things. And so for me, like the, the, the time uh, in worship and music, the music portion of worship, it's just kind of a time to just kind of settle down a little bit, focus in on, listen to, just, just connect, just, just get my heart and my thoughts and my mind, like focus back in on where, where we're going to be, what God's going to be doing, what he wants to say. And so um, that's normally what it looks like for me. But this particular week, um, I'm not preaching. So, I mean, I just get to enjoy the whole thing. I just get to connect. I don't have to worry about what I'm going to say, what I'm going to do. Uh, Scott, don't do that thing. Scott, do that. So I don't have to worry about any of that. I just get to just listen and let God just work me over for a little bit. So much so that I decided to go to this side. So let's go over here. Um, and it was so weird for some people over here. They're like, what are you doing over here? 
what's happening. Like, like, I think they were like afraid that there's going to be an illustration or something come from it weeks later. And so I gather over here, and I just, I just get to sit and listen and worship and be a part of this side of, of things, which I really like it over here. It's nice and cozy, and everybody's nice. Hey, y'all. Um, and so, so I'm gathering, but, but as I'm doing that, I get, I get a different perspective on this side. I'm not on the front row. I'm a few rows back, and I'm kind of just like listening and worshiping and singing and taking it all in. And, um, and, and I get to, I get to, I get to, to, to looking, like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a wanderer sometimes, you know that about me. And so I, so I look to this side, and I get to see this side kind of worshiping or not worshiping or doing whatever they're doing, and, and, then, and then that kind of just snowballed. So, so the next week, I'm kind of back in my spot as I get ready to preach, but um, I sit there for just a second, and then I get up and I go back to the soundboard, and I get to watch what happens during the music portion of our worship service. I'm like, okay, all right. And then from there, the next week, I go back kind of over in this area back here, and I kind of watch and get to take in and, and participate. And, and just through that, I just felt like God kind of just stirring on my heart. We need to talk about this. We need to talk about what worship is. Let's, let's, Scott, let's dive in, and let's, let's pull back the curtain, and let's, let's really, really look at this. And so I just felt the Holy Spirit press upon my soul. Like, this is something we, when I say address, we need to just, just, just look at and talk about and pray over and chew on and, and let him do some work in us as, as, we, as we come to a greater understanding of what worship truly is and what it's not. And how we even live that out. So we're going to take the next three weeks and we're going to just, just walk through, through that. And so, so my prayer for us from that moment that I said on this side, thanks a lot, this side, um, that I said on this side, and it's not because of y'all, it's because of them. It's just our little secret. Don't tell them I said that. So, um, so, so just from them, my prayer has just been that we would learn more about worship so much so that in that the Holy Spirit stirs our affections and our desires for him all the more. That, that we would be a responsive people that, that would participate always and all the more in uh, worship. And, and my fear is this, is that we've come in this place as spectators and not participants. Let me say that a little slower. My fear is that we walk into this place week in and week out as spectators. Ones that sit in seats or the stands and watch everybody else perform and do, and we don't join in and participate. Because the reality is this, is that you are just as vital and important and have the opportunity to worship as much as the people that stand on the stage. Every week, always. Like, like your worship is just as valuable as what I'm doing this morning in this place here now. It's not just about the ones that stand on a stage and lead in that capacity. And so my fear from that is that we've, the church, as the church, we've just elevated and made one very small section of the corporate worship gathering into something that God never intended for it to be. That we've elevated it and made it into something that, that that's not God's heart. And I believe as we look at worship, as we talk about worship, we'll see that it's probably one of the most misunderstood doctrines in the church today even. Misunderstood. And so contrary to popular belief, worship doesn't just begin and end with the singing portion of the services. 
That, that's not the only part of, like, okay, we've moved out of worship, now we've moved into something else. No, 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 that, no, no, this whole thing is worship. This whole gathering is worship. If we make worship about music and music alone, then, then we, we've missed what worship is. We've lost the heart of it. And, and I've been, it'll be 16 years this coming December, uh, in, in uh, full-time ministry in, in the South, here in South Carolina. 16 years, I know I don't look past uh, over 22. I know it's difficult for you to believe that, but trust me. Like a fine wine, baby, I age well. Um, I didn't take my medicine on vacation, and this is what you get. (laughs) I'm being introduced back into, so I apologize. But 16 years December in full-time ministry with the church, and I've been around like the worship wars. You know what I'm talking about, worship wars? Hymns versus contemporary. Mm. Now that'll prove. Or, or what about contemporary versus the modern uh, worship stuff today? And, and I just want to lovingly say this in challenges because if, if, if we were to talk any length, I think you would find out real quick that, that I probably landed at a place you don't think that I land with that. That, that, that ah, man, I love a good hymn. I'm, I'm almost like an old soul. Remember 22? Don't look it, or I do look it. Don't act it. Um, anyways, man, just a good hymn with that rich doctrine but I'll take what we just sang just now, too. Any day of the week, yo. Any day of the week. I mean, but did you not? The very ones that nailed that tree, that's who didn't open his mouth and say a word. We are guilty. What does he do? He takes our place. The very enemies that nailed him to the tree. Oh, man, that, I, like I'll lose it in a moment over that. And so what I want to tell us this morning is this, is that worship is not about the type of song you sing, but rather the focus of the one that you sing to. You got piano, you don't have piano. You have a guitar, you don't have guitar. You have drums, you don't have drums. None of that matters. It's about the one that you sing to. Not so much even the song, because I, I guarantee right now there has been weeks that you've, you've gathered corporately as the body of Christ, and there wasn't an ounce of worship going on with the song that was sung. And it wasn't because of the instrument played or not played or the song sung or not sung. It was because of the heart that was reflecting and singing back to the one that deserved it. Mine's everywhere else, something going on, happening, something taking you away. Well, I don't like this, I don't like We've nitpicked every single thing that there is to nitpick on our way in. And we land at that place, now it's time to worship. Let's get all good, dignified, and let's do this. And I would say that that's a heart far from God. Far from God. And so so worship is about the one that you sing to. I mean, have you ever ever thought about like this? If we just focus in on the song portion of the service, like our breakdown, you come in week in and week out. This is normally how it is, unless we throw a little curveball or do something a little different. But, but normally, we, we start with a song. And after a song, we have our welcome and announcements and prayer time. And then after that, we usually do two songs. Maybe we'll, we'll sneak a third in from time to time, just, just different things like that. But we'll, ha- we'll have two songs. And after that, uh, 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 we'll, we'll pray. Uh, and then we'll get, we'll get going into the sermon. And there'll be a time of prayer even in the sermon. And, and then we end in song. And normally, don't hold me to this, normally the service time is anywhere from 80 to 90 minutes. Unless I've been on vacation, and then you're looking at 120. I'm just, I'm joking. I'm just joking. See, I told you, I'll, I'll come. It'll kick in the system in a minute. But just safe to say, about 80 minutes service for us. 80 minutes. That would mean that about 16 to 20 minutes is in music, is in song. 
That's only about 20 to 25% of our service that is music. And if we consider the music portion worship and worship alone, what's the rest of it? I mean, let that sink in for just a second. Just, just, just 20 to 25. I mean, that's a horrible a horrible time management, is it not? If we're, if we're here to worship, if our whole point of this is to worship and to make much of him, I mean, that's a horrible use of our time. Why don't we just sing the whole time? Some of you would like that. Thank you for not saying amen. But, but what do we do with the rest of 75 to 80% of the service? What category does that fall into? And I believe that's the reason why we need this so bad, why I need this so bad. Because I believe this, that a biblical theology of worship is concerned with the true worship of God. And that can be in song, that can be in prayer, that can be in the proclamation of his word, that can be in meditation, that can be in many, many different ways. But hear me, it is about God and God alone. That's the one that we worship is God and God alone. So church, believer, gathered here this morning, watching online, worshiper, we must understand who is being worshipped. We have got to know the one that we gather and worship, the one that we scatter and worship, the one that has invited us in always to be a part of worship and connection with him. Why? Because he is holy. God is just. God is perfect. God is powerful. God is loving. God is gracious. God is righteous. That's just to name a few of the characteristics and attributes of God. Man, we could, could we not just get lost in that for a moment? That's why we gather. So when we stand there and we sing that he died for the very ones that nailed him to the tree, that's us. That's not the Romans back then. No, that's us. Yeah, they did it back then, but that's also us. Why? Because our sin put him on the cross. Our sin and our wickedness and our rebellion, that's what put him on the tree. Yeah, they may have just taken up the hammer and nailed him to it, but that's not what held Jesus on the cross, church. No, there's something far, far greater than a nail that, that held Jesus to that cross. That's our sin, our shame. That's the wrath of a holy God absorbed in that. That's what put Jesus on the cross and kept him there. Oh, he could have at any time stepped down, called legions of, of angels to come and rescue, to destroy and be done away with. But no, 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 no. Some some three to six inch nail did not keep him on a cross. You've got to understand that. You've got to know that. That we are sinners saved by grace. And we have the privilege and honor coming before a holy God on the basis of our Redeemer and Rescuer. That's the one that we gather here to worship. Him and Him alone. Which brings me to another thought is this, is that there is no room for pride in worship. No room for pride in worship. None whatsoever. See, because what pride does is it makes it about me. My likes, my preferences, what I want, what I don't want. How did you like the service? How did you like the song? How did you like the sermon? What was the atmosphere like? What about the graphics? Well, they were a little pitchy. They weren't pitchy enough. The, the instruments were too loud. They were too quiet. The singers, they did this, they didn't do this. The scripture versions. My gosh, can you believe that they read from lighting? It's too bright. It's not bright enough. We get so wrapped up and consumed in that kind of stuff. And in essence, what we're doing is making it about us and our preferences and our likes. And the gathering, the gathering 
must never be about us. Heck, I mean, I like me more than anybody in this room likes me. And it can't even be about me. It, it can't be about me either. Our heart has to land at the place where it's God, it was for you. God, it was for you. Were you pleased? Were you satisfied? Were you glorified? Were you made much of in this moment? Were you magnified and lifted high and, and, and proclaimed as, as, as who you truly are? That's where we have to get in worship. Because if we tolerate any other thinking or action, what we do is we elevate ourselves to a place that we cannot handle, thus rubbing, robbing God of his glory and his honor. And we make worship about us, not the one that deserves it. And what I know and what I have learned personally in my life is this, is that we can't handle it. We, we can't handle that position or that place or that weight put on us as the objects of worship will fall apart, will crumble in a moment. But we were never created to be in that place, that position. So this morning, this is it. This is what we're doing this morning. Week one of this, this, this series in worship. We're just going to define what worship is. What is worship? We'll define it. But before we do that, what I want to do is this. I want to ask Franklin to come back up. And I want to pray for us as we continue to worship. And I've asked him to lead us one more time in a song as we set our hearts and minds and affections on the one that we've gathered here for. And the song that he's going to sing us was birthed out of years ago, a church, I believe in England, who had gathered and was having these worship wars. This song, that song, this type, that type. And so what they did is they pulled back and said, you know what, there's no more music. And they took a break from music. Is it because music has become our God that we worship, the type that we worship, the, 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 the instruments, the whatever it is, the people, we're pulling back from it. And we're going to focus again yet on the one who deserves all honor and glory. So I want to invite you to stand with us this morning. If you want to pray, come to the altar and pray. If you want to sing from your seat, if you want to reflect from your seat, if you want to do whatever you want to do, is this weird? Absolutely, this is where It's meant to be weird. Because we get lost in normalcy, do we not? We wanted to break this up for a moment. We wanted to call our attention to the reason why we're here yet again. But we wanted to put it before us, another opportunity to enter into his presence through another way. We'll get back in the word here in a second. But I want to ask God to clear our hearts. Father, help us this morning hear from you and you alone. God, help focus us in on you and you alone. God, may this be for your glory, for your honor. In your name we pray. Amen. When the music fades And all is stripped away And I simply come Longing just to bring Something that's worth That will bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself It's not what you have required You search much deeper within Through the way things appear 
you're looking into my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you it's all about you Jesus I'm sorry Lord for the thing I've made it when it's all about you it's all about you Jesus a king of endless worth no one could express how much you deserve though I'm weak and poor and all I have is yours every single breath I'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself it's not what you have required you search much deeper within through the way things appear you're looking into my heart i'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you it's all about you jesus i'm sorry lord for the thing i've made when it's all about you it's all about you jesus i'm coming back to the heart of worship when it's all about you it's all about you jesus i'm sorry God, may that be the cry of our heart this morning as we dive in, as we look at what you mean, not what we mean, not what we think, not what we perceive, God, but what you have stated worship is. Father, help us get our heart aligned with you. Help us see that it's more than a song, so much more than a song. It's a lifestyle. It's an every moment of everyday opportunity. And we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so, so we're created with this desire to worship. Every one of us has it in it. We, we, we all worship something. So I don't believe that it's an issue for any of us in this room worship. I, I just believe the big issue is the object that we worship. That, that's where the struggle comes. Not that, not that we can't worship, we just can't get our mind or heart around it. No, no, we get our mind and heart around things, it's just the wrong things. That's the problem. And I know this because we go to concerts and go crazy. I know this because um, uh, we, we, uh, we, we go to sports events and we paint our chests and we paint our face and we uh, buy the jerseys and we scream and go crazy at the events or even in the comfort of our own home. Man, I will yell for that ball runner to run with everything in him. And I will be physically uh, uh, distraught when he doesn't do it. So, so worship is not 
the problem. It's what we worship is the problem. So every one of us in this room, I would say we worship a lot. The argument that I would make is that, is that, is that worshiping comes easy, but the problem would be the object that we worship. So, so what is worship? Let's, let's all get aligned here on the same page. Worship defined. What is it? Now, Webster's Dictionary says this, worship is reverent honor and homage that is paid to an object. That's it. That's all worship is. All worship is honor and homage. It's just admiration, it's respect, it's desire that is paid or given to an object. And I'm just here to tell you that that object will be at battle for your heart, your soul, your attention all the day long forever. So God calls us home. That object will always be something out there that looks uh, uh, flashy or glamorous or, or appealing to our desires and our longings and our wants, especially as it pertains to the flesh. It'll always be there. And we've got to fight tooth and nail. That, that's why the scriptures are so slam-packed with this thought of dying to self. Dying to self. Dying to me, dying to my desires, dying to my wants, dying to my longings, dying to, because everything out there can be worshipped. And I would venture to say that the majority of the things that we worship are things that, that's not God. That's not God. Let, let, let's, just, let's, just, let's just chat for a moment since we've uh, kind of went down this trail for a second. Because I, I believe some of the things, let's, let's, let's make this real for us in the room for a moment. Because the objects that we worship are, are just so real and tangible and, and easy to get our, our hands on. And so it's easy to kind of run after those sometimes. And so things that we worship could be relationships. When you long for and desire outside that of God, relationships. And my family, yo. Like, like, like I, I my family is my family, as crazy as they are, as crazy as it can get. It's my family. And so that could be something that I elevate above God often, and I pay uh, honor and homage and admiration and respect to outside of me. Kids are an easy object to worship, are they not? I mean, we elevate them all the time to places and make them and put them in places that God never intended for them to be. It's super easy to, 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 to worship a kid and make life all about them. And I'm going to tell you right now that those days are going to be long and horrific for you if you don't stop. I've been in student ministry for too long. I see what happens. I know the outcome. And again, remember I said we can't, they can't, their little hearts can't handle it when you make life all about them all about their little needs, all about their little wants, all about their little... Point their wants and needs and desires to the thing that can't handle it, and that's God. Always. Something else is an object that can be worshipped is, is work. Man, we can make work an object of worship where we long for, want, desire, got to have, got to be there. Success is something else that can be an object that we bow down to and worship often. What about this self-worth and value? Man, I got to get... I gotta get fit and trim. I gotta look a certain way. I've gotta be a certain way. I've gotta wear a certain thing. I've gotta have a certain thing. I mean, I've, I've gotta have self worth and value, and that self worth and value can only be found in Christ. You don't, you don't believe me, and I, I use this illustration all the time. Go back to the 80s. What the heck were we thinking about when we put, when we put on spandex? How was that ever fashionable? Man, we missed it in the 80s, did we not? I, I would know because I'm only 22, but anyways, um, I've heard. So, so self-worth and value. Money, money is something else that man, we, we worship and bow down to often, is it not? We run after and chase and desire and long for. Man, 
What about freedom? Man, I can do whatever I want. I'm going to fight hard for it. I'm going to worship my freedom, my, my liberties. Hobbies. Hobbies is something that can get in the way of God real quick, can it not? We can think about long for want, admire, desire far above teams. I mean, we could go down a long list. So hear me, if we worship, give honor, respect, admiration to anything other than God, then what we are guilty of is what the Bible would call idolatry. Idolatry. And that's where I want to get us this morning. Romans 1.18 says this. Just, just listen to this. It'll be on the screen. You can follow along. Romans 1.18, listen to what happens here, what God does here uh, 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 as he inspires Paul to pen this letter. He says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So, so they're suppressing the truth. They're, they're hiding. They're, they're pushing it away. They're, they're, they're burying it. He says, verse 19, for, we can be, uh, no, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. So the argument here is that, is that everyone has the opportunity to see and know because it's been, made, it's been made visible, it's been made aware of. And look at what he says in verse 20. He says, for his invisible attributes, who God's invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they're without excuse. See, creation is pointing back what? To the creator. All of creation is exclaiming day in and day out about the one who created, who made. That's the one who deserves worship, honor, and glory. And what's happened is that the heart is wicked and depraved, and we've buried it. We've suppressed it. We've pushed it aside. We've made us gods in a world that can't handle us as gods. I mean, we're horrible gods. We're crummy gods. We're awful gods. I mean, thank God I'm not God. You say something about me. There you go. Boom, they're gone. I mean, like, I'd be like, like wicked, like, like not good wicked. You know what I'm saying? Like, but it would be holy because I'm God. And this is justice and wrath. And like, like the zapping and the like, I mean, how cool would it be like, like just a funnel cloud come out of nowhere? <laughs> or like a car. Oh, yeah, a piano. Like you've seen them on TV. Like a piano just out of the sky. Boom, there they are. <laughs> See, uh, not anywhere. And so, um, because I'm not going to send you anywhere because that would be too, I don't know. That's just horrible. I've God help me. So we've suppressed the truth. We've hidden the truth. We've, we've done, and God has made it known and made it clear. Verse, verse 21 says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Look, verse 22, Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Oh, what did they do? They didn't like the God they had, so they decided to make a God. They created a new one. That's what they did. They suppressed the truth. It was evident. It was out there before them. All of creation is exclaiming and proclaiming. And what do they do? They, they bury it. They suppress it. And they get this idea in their heart and mind saying, we don't like him. We're going to create us one that we like. We're going to create us one that we like. So if you can create or control your God to fit in your agenda, it's not God. It's you. And we're awful gods. We are horrible to be worshipped. What this is called is an idol. That's what we see being made here. Idol and idolatry is opposite of worship. Idolatry is opposite of worship. And as I read this portion of Romans, we here today in 2022, we do the same thing all the time, don't we? I just listed off a few things that we worship all the time. A few things that we desire and long for all the time. 
I mean, we, we may not have made like an image out of them yet. We may not have uh, uh, bronzed it yet. We may not carry it around in our pocket rubbing on it all the time. Man, but our heart and our longings bent toward that, running after that, is, is no different than what's being outlined here in this moment, suppressing the truth, making uh, what I long for and I desire of utmost, not the heart of God. Let's, let's, let's do it like this. What have you thought of, longed for, and desired more than anything else this week? Because that would be your God. What have you thought of, longed for, wanted, and desired more than anything else this week? That is a definition of worship, and whatever is attached to the answer of your question would be considered your God. And if it's anything else other than the God of the universe, it will crumble at the weight of. I I like what N.T. Wright says. He says this. He says, Christians are defined in terms of the God they worship. He, He says, we need theology. We need doctrine. Why? Because if we don't have it, something else will, will, uh, come in to take its place. And any other defining marks of the church will move us in the direction of idolatry. So it's so important, it's vital that we understand what worship is and the object of our worship. Because if not, we'll create little g-gods. We'll create little g-gods and we will chase those little g-gods all the day long. And they will leave us empty, they will leave us unfulfilled, they will leave us longing for more, which will chase them even further, go further uh, in after, and be left at a place that we never intended to be, worshiping something that can't hold the weight or bear the weight of our worship. And so, so let's look as we continue here in Romans 1. Let's look at God's response to this little G worship. Therefore, verse 24, therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Well, what God does is says, hey, fine. You want to be the God of your life? Go for it. God loves you enough to let you go. You want to be, you want to chase after, you desire, you long for this, go have it, go have at it. He, he turns him over to that. See how well it works for you. And is that not the very day that we're living in? Is that not the very place? Like, we look back at the, we, at the scriptures like, man, how can they have been so dumb? We will never be that dumb. Church, we will never be that dumb in 2022 to do that. We will never, uh, we, we've, got, we've got history, we've got all this evidence, we've got all this proof, and we are educated people in 2022. We have the dang internet, yo. Social media. They don't know, they don't have that. They didn't have a Bible, 10 of them sitting on their shelf that they never used like we do. I mean, we, we are far too smart to fall into that junk. Never happened to us. But man, Man, have we not wandered along the way and got our eyes off of and fell right into the same trap, running after the desires and longings of our heart that are contrary to God or that are not God. Look at what he says in verse 25. He says, because they exchanged the truth. That, that, that's where it starts to come in. You start running after that stuff. You start believing the, the junk that's waved at you that you deserve, that you're worth, that you should. And the only place we find that is in Christ. And anywhere outside of that is a dangerous, dangerous place to be. They exchanged the truth 
about God for a lie, and they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. It's everywhere, is it not? The lie that we buy into and believe is that his stuff is better than him. His stuff is better than him. What scares me to death is if we could be honest and take this poll and say, hey, who would take heaven uh, for the stuff that it has, and if, if God couldn't come, how many people would take it? How many people would take it and jump on that in a minute? And so we live that reality. We live that thought out. We want God's stuff. We want what he can give us, what he can do for us more than we want him. That's what we long for. That's what we want. So, so let's, let's, let's take this just a bit further, this whole, this whole thought of worship, because I came across this definition a few years ago, and I, just, I haven't been able to shake it, especially as it pertains to worship. Uh, uh, John Piper penned it, and it, just, it has just stuck with me. It just, it, it, just, it just breaks it down and defines it so well for us, gives us a better understanding and meaning of what worship is. And this is what, this is what he says worship, how he defines worship. He says worship is gladly reflecting back to God the value of his worth. Gladly reflecting back to God the value of his worth. And it just, it just seems so, I get that. I, 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 under, I got that. And so he starts out with gladly. Gladly is you worship things that make you happy and brings you joy, things that you enjoy. Gladly, the, the motive of your heart matters. The heart which you bring before the Lord in worship matters. I mean, if you begrudgingly, I mean, think of it as, as, as a child. If you've had children, you've asked them to do things. As I call my kids in to go do stuff from time to time. Hey, do, I need you to do this. Ugh. Okay, fine. Pick it up. Man. Or, or use this after the 10th time where you use their middle name, Adam, and you, you, you kind of elevate the I don't, We don't scream in our house, right? I'm a preacher. We can't do that. We elevate our voice to an octave just below screaming, but just right above yelling. I'm just joking. Sometimes. Then they'll move. Then the motivation. But it's still begrudgingly. I mean, that's not obedience, is it? See, motive matters. The heart in which... I mean, oh, it's church again. Good gosh. Every Sunday, 10 o'clock, here we go. I mean, do you not know how crazy it is at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings? I mean, I have to get my kids up at this time. I have to get them dressed. It's difficult to get here and worship. I know that. It's tough. It's hard. And hear me. Oh, this just came. Thank you, Lord. Worship here at 10 o'clock on Sunday, on Sunday morning will never be good if you're not doing it every other day of the week all the time. Worship doesn't happen at 10 o'clock on Sunday, and that's it. Yes, it's going to be awful if you haven't worshiped him all week. Who goes to the gym one time a week other than me? That's why I quit. I give it up. It just wasn't working for me. I'm getting no results. Why am I getting no results? Because I'm not devoted. I'm not in. I'm not doing it the rest of the week. I mean, eating chips and soda and doing whatever I want to do. Walk? Why would I walk? I just walk to the fridge and back. I'm, only way I'm going to run into something chasing me, and you better try to outrun me because if that thing that's chasing me gets me, you, or gets, you're done for. I mean, but, but that's how we approach worship, is it not? I'm here Sunday at 10 o'clock. I don't know why it hasn't been good. I don't know why I'm not getting anything out of it. I don't know why. It's, this isn't it. If you only come and expect to get something out of the 10 o'clock gathering, or you're going to leave empty and, and disappointed. Because I'm telling you right now, our show is not that great. I'm sorry, I love you guys, and I think y'all are awesome. 
band, I don't even know where y'all at. Y'all spread out everywhere. Dang it, I know you're right there. Seth played the drums. Franklin, you back there on the camera. Chelsea sitting right there. Uh, y'all, y'all, I like, I, I, I love, Scott, you're sitting right there. You are. Here you are. You're in your spot. I know where you're at. Like, I, like, I love our guys and girls. Like, I, like I, I know them. I know their heart. I know their desire. Maybe they don't just stand up here and sing a song and they're out doing whatever. No, no, they, they love Jesus. They pursue Jesus. They want Jesus. And that's what makes it so good. Is it's not just an hour for them on a Sunday morning or, well, as we said, 20% of the service. It's a lifestyle. It's a longing. It's a yearning. It's a wanting. I mean, we don't even have the lights. There's no smoke. I mean, gosh, our wall's gray behind me. You're looking for a show. You're not the right place. Because what we've learned is this, is that if it takes a show to get you here, it's going to take a show to keep you here. When that next better show comes, and that's not worship. Man, we want you to know God. That's why we teach through books of the Bible. That's why we look at the difficult things in Scripture. Man, we are begging the Holy Spirit week in and week out to grab a hold of our hearts, to shape us and mold us, and to change us into the image of God. And, and hear me, if that's not enough to get you here, then nothing will be enough to keep you. Nothing will. If, if he's not the main attraction that brings you to this place, there's nothing that we can do to keep you and, and see you transformed and changed. It's him and him alone. So motive matters. The heart which you bring before the Lord matters in worship. And hear me, if it's just at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning, then you'll, you'll never taste and see of the goodness of our God. You'll never understand what worship is. So to gladly reflect back. Reflect just means to throw back, to send back. So, so our heart, our motive, the way that we do this matters. And what we're going to do is we're going to reflect it back. We're going to give it back. We're going to gladly do that. Give back what? To God, the value. It's got to be to God. God and God alone. The, the value of his worth. So value is to regard something of importance, of, of, of worth. And worth just means how much something means to you how much you're willing to go all in for. That's what worship is. It's the motive of our heart, throwing back to God, how much we value him, how much he's worth to us. And, and, and it's enough to sell the farm. It's enough to give every, absolute, everything up. And we're going to talk about that more here in just a second. Flip over to Hebrews 12, 28 as we start to wind down. Hebrews 12, 28 says this. You see motive right in the very get-go, motive right there at the very front. Therefore, let us be grateful. Grateful is the heart by which we bring, the, the heart which we have, a grateful heart, so our motive matters. Therefore, let us be grateful for what? Uh, now you're going to see the value and the worth in this scripture for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Think about that for a moment. I mean, nothing can rob us or strip us of this, of what God's love, God's redemption, God's rescue. If we're truly his, we're his forever. Nothing, even in this present day and age we live. The kingdom of God is a there then, but it's an also here now that we get to participate in and walk in and have access to and live in. Yeah, I'm going there one day, but I'm in the midst of it here now today that I get to bring with me and be a part of. I mean, what would you, what would you give for that? To know that absolutely nothing can rob or take or steal from you. Joy, true joy. I'm not talking about like, like, like monetary happiness, moment by moment situational uh, uh, bliss. I'm talking about a 
eternal bedrock joy that nothing can strip. To know that your soul is well in the midst of whatever trial, temptation, storm, or horrific news that you receive this week. My wife leaves me here. I got God. My kids have me. I've got God. The bank comes and takes everything. I've got God. That's not my joy. As great and as awesome as they are, that's not where it's found. This cannot be shaken. And the greatest things that I possess and I have, so I think I possess and have, fall woefully, woefully short, woefully short compared to the value and worth of this, a kingdom that cannot be shaken, a salvation that cannot be taken. Rest there for a moment. And then as, as he closes out here in 28, this is the reflecting part. So we see the motive, there, there's gratefulness, we see the value and worth, nothing can, can take it, it cannot be shaken, it cannot be stripped. And then here comes the reflecting part back. And thus let us offer to God, let's give back to him, let's, let's give him, throne him, what? Acceptable worship. How? There's motive again with reverence and awe. So when we see God and savor God for who he is and what he's done for us, by way of Jesus, we will gladly reflect how much we value him and how much he is worth to us. When we come to understand and be awakened to the reality of the gospel, that's enough. That's enough. The gospel demands a response, and that response is worship. Worship, when we come to understand ourselves in light of who God is, everything changes. Everything changes. Let, 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 me, let, me, let me give you an example for a moment. Because I believe one of the things that happens is, is we think far too highly of ourselves. We, we elevate ourselves and put ourselves in places uh, uh, that, that wasn't meant to be. Like, like David and Goliath, that story, that great story, right? It's a story of overcoming. It's a story of just, man, you, you just get that rock and you sling it and God will let it hit where it and you just, just stay strong and you can just overcome. Uh, David and Goliath was never a story about us. It was a story about God. And what do we do? We, don't we always kind of just, just drift to that part and we put our part in like the hero parts? Man, I'd be David. How are you going to be David when you won't even tell your coworker about Jesus? Uh, how are you going to be David in the story when you don't even read your Bible? How are you going to be David in the story? You don't even pray. How are you David in the story? And I'm an overcomer, though. God set up this difficult time just for this. Did he? Like David didn't just all of a sudden say, hey, you know what? I'm, I think I'm just going to do this. There's been preparation in his life to get him to that point. And what happens is he gets there and he sees him, uh, the Philistines making fun of his gun, and it ticks him off. Oh, you, you want to, what are y'all doing? Let's get him. Oh, wait, have you not seen the giant? Yeah, let's get him. That dude's big. I'll get him. Give it to me. And what does he do? He steps up. And we elevate ourselves to David. Church, who we are in that story is we are the cowardly Israelites in the corner, scared to death to go out and face him. We're not David. We're stories like this about Hosea, right? You familiar with the story of Hosea? Hosea, prophet in the Old Testament. God tells him to marry a wife of Horderim. That's not a, that's not a prestigious type lady you're going after. Not one you bring home to mama. Gomer, that's who he marries. And the pictures, oh man, I would be just like Hosea, faithful to the end. No, we're, we're Gomer. We're the adulterous people cheating God over and over and over. God's Hosea. God's the faithful one that never leaves. No, we're the rebellious cheaters that run from God. That's who we are. 
Oh, what about, what about this? What about this? What about this? Uh, uh, the woman caught in adultery. I mean, I'll be just like, I will show grace and mercy. And I'll, no, no, we're the woman caught in adultery. Why? Because we cheat on God all the time. We're guilty of sin, even as believers over and over. We rebel and rebel and rebel and run. And from what I've learned about the church, is, man, we're the quickest to jump in and crucify our own. We'll, we'll, we'll be about grace sometimes, if it's for us. But man, when we have an opportunity for justice and wrath, oh, give me the stone. Give me the stone. Or, or we'll put ourselves like in, in Peter. Like, like Peter, I think we relate so well with Peter. Lord, I want, and that's why I will never deny you. Oh, Peter. And what does he do three times before the, crow, before, uh, the cock crows three times? He's denied him. Uh, we've got to get our eyes on who we are. And when we do that, it turns our eyes to God. That, that's what makes worship so great and easy. Is that when we understand who we are, and even though we're the cowardly Israelites, even though we're, uh, we're the cheating wife, the cheating adulterer, even though that we're the one denying over and over and over and over and over again, uh, the, the glorious news about the gospel is that God invites us in through his son, even in spite of us. <laughs> come on, you're my child, let's go. Come, come on, you, you know better, you're mine. Get in here, let me work you over for a minute. You repent and let, let's, let's go. Let's go. So, so as the band comes back up, as the band comes back up, when we understand and we see, now I can make that choice to worship regardless of the circumstance or situation, regardless of the day, more than just a 10 o'clock hour on a Sunday morning. I, I will enter into when I understand who I am and what he has done for the who I am. Then worship becomes real. Then it comes from a glad heart. Because what I've learned is this, is that we worship what we enjoy the most. We worship what we enjoy the most. And my question for you is this, do you enjoy Jesus? I mean, do you really enjoy him? Not just like him, not he's okay, not he's cool, not he's... Uh, do, you, do, you, do you enjoy him? Do you long for, do you desire? And if so, how much? How, how, because there, there shouldn't be a number put on that. Do you enjoy Jesus? See, see, we're given the invitation to join in and to worship, to long for and desire the things that we enjoy. And my hope and prayer for me, for you, is that Jesus would be the very top of that list all the day long, always. So I want to give you an illustration to think about as we go out. The moon, you familiar with it? It's this big old like rock in the sky. It comes out at night. It says, hey, I'm here. And it's, did you know something about the moon? There's a lot of things that it can do and it helps with. But there's one thing that it cannot do. Did you know that the moon can produce no light of its own? Is that not crazy? As bright as it is, that light is not its own. not its own at all. It, it has robbed light from somewhere else to produce and to show and to, and to reflect. It hasn't robbed, it's been given. 
So the glow that we see in the night sky or the early morning is actually sunlight reflecting off the surface of the moon. Is that not crazy? That big old ball in the sky that gets so bright on the darkest night is really only about 3 to 12% of the sunlight that hits it. That's all it reflects. And, and do you see how bright it glows in a dark night? I would have never went with 3 to 12%. And, and I want to use that illustration to close out this morning because I don't know where you're at in your worship with the Lord. I don't know if you're His. If you're, if you're not His, you, you'll never be able to reflect at all until you become his and if you are his I don't, I don't know how you came in here what percentage you're reflecting at right now of his glory of his great name of who he is I don't know what percentage your, your output is but what I know is this is that he wants to increase it and the way that he does that is for you to get your eyes off of you and put them on him because when he shines in you it reflects out for the world to see and our worship should be evident like if, if, if I was to follow you around for the week, what would I say the greatest desire of your life is? If you don't know the answer to that question, ask your spouse, ask your kids, ask your coworker tomorrow. They'll tell you. They'll let you know what they think the greatest. And the thing is, is if they answer anything other than, then we've done a horrific job of reflecting back and worshiping like we've been called to worship. It's just the truth of the matter. So my challenge for us is this, man, go reflect get lost in the reality of what he's done for you. Wicked you, wicked me, desires once, dies for. If that doesn't stir affection and desire and longing and want in your heart, nothing will. Nothing will. So may we leave this place. May we leave this place and reflect the glory of him to this world. Worship divine, defined, gladly reflecting back to God the value of his worth. May we shine this week for his glory, for his great name. Father, help us in this moment as your gospel has been proclaimed to set our heart on fire for you. God, do a work in us, I pray. In your name, amen. If you want to come pray, if you want to know more about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, whatever it may be that God stirred in your heart, you worship in this moment, whether it's from prayer, whether it's from singing, whether it's from whatever it may be in this moment, you be obedient to the Lord's lead.